Lord God, teach us on this Thanksgiving Day to take time to think about our blessings and to render thanks unto you, not only on Thanksgiving, but every day of the year. In your name we pray, amen. Blessings to you, friends. A a joyous and blessed Thanksgiving Day to you all. Uh, This is a, a wonderful holiday. It's a uniquely American holiday. That was underscored for my wife and me this year, especially as our daughter is studying abroad in Ecuador uh, this year. And so, you know, they don't have a Thanksgiving day in Ecuador. But last night, she and her American fellow students had a traditional American uh, holiday, Thanksgiving holiday meal, with even with turkey, which was a little surprising because the uh, the uh, uh, the biggest delightful cuisine of Ecuador is guinea pig. So they were glad that they were able to find a turkey and uh, have a typical American meal. Now, no doubt many of you have already spent quite a few hours preparing a Thanksgiving Day feast for your family and friends. Um, And I would guess that for some of you, it'll include a turkey, maybe a ham as well. Did you know that the Butterball Turkey Company has a turkey cooking hotline that you can call with questions about how to cook your turkey properly? Maybe you didn't know they had that. They call their hotline the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. I'm not kidding. This is real. During the months of November and December... More than 50 experts stand ready to take your telephone calls. They've been trained at Butterball University, no kidding, it's real, to talk you through what they refer to as turkey trauma. Okay. They've been doing this for 36 years, believe it or not. So 36 years of calls to the Butterball hotline. Do we still need a lot of help? Evidently so. How do I know that? Well, from the kinds of calls that have come in over the years. An article appeared in USA Today entitled, The Bird is the Word. And it included some of the most memorable phone calls over these last 36 years to the Butterball hotline. So listen to some of these and see if you agree that, yeah, we, we need some help when it comes to our turkey cooking. One woman, it says, called from Colorado. Her problem? She had stored her turkey in a snowbank in her backyard. And then it snowed a whole lot more. And now she couldn't find it. She had no idea where her turkey was, and so she called the hotline, and she wanted them to come and help her find her turkey. Huh? Another woman called to ask if it was okay to stuff her turkey with, wait for it, popcorn. Can you imagine? Who would do that? Some guy called, and he wanted to know why the turkey cooking in his kitchen oven was making so much smoke. The instructions said to remove the wrapper and put it on the rack. He thought that meant the oven rack. So that's what he did. He plopped it on the oven rack without a pan under it, 
And all those drippings went straight to the bottom of the oven. A Virginia woman called and asked, how do you thaw a fresh turkey? (laughs) The hotline staffer had to respectfully explain to her that a fresh turkey has not been frozen, so it was unnecessary to thaw it. Oh, I can keep going. There's more. A restaurant owner in California, this one gets me, a restaurant owner in California wanted to know how to roast a turkey for a vegetarian menu. Hello? (laughs) Another woman from the West Coast used bleach to scrub her turkey because it's said to first clean the bird. She got really upset when she was told to throw the bird out and start over again. 20 of the calls were from men, by the way. One guy called, I'm not sure from where, wanting to know if the yellow netting and wrapper around the turkey should be removed before roasting. So maybe it's uh, because of all these kinds of phone calls that explains why a few years ago, while David Letterman was still the host of uh, the late night show, um, that for him it was natural to come up with, with his top 10 signs that the person answering the Butterball Turkey hotline has gone nuts. I'm not going to read those. You can look those up on your own online. They're available for you. Yeah, I guess we need a little help with our turkeys. But friends, I would contend that we really need help with this thing we call thanksgiving. We don't always do that very well. Because here's our challenge as human beings. Giving thanks does not come naturally. Including giving thanks to God. It just doesn't come naturally according to our human nature. In that first reading for tonight, we heard from Deuteronomy chapter 8, we were hearing Moses' words to the Israelites. They were on the east side of the Jordan River getting ready to cross the river into the promised land of Canaan that God had brought them to. And Moses has some final words to them before they do that. And he issues kind of some words of warning and a reminder. And he's basically saying to the Israelites, okay, When you enter this good land that God has given you and you go in there and you find that there's plenty of water and you find that the crops grow really well and so you have uh, plentiful fruit and grain, that there's lots of olives for olive oil and there's plenty of honey. When you see that that there's plenty of bread available all the time, when you discover that there's iron and copper ready to be mined and used for making tools, and when you have gone in there and you've enjoyed all the blessings of God and you're fully satisfied with everything he's provided, be sure to thank and praise God. And and in verse 11 of Deuteronomy 8, he says, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. That's what we often do, right? We forget the Lord 
our God. Because giving thanks does not come naturally. And so I think Moses' words to the people of old are good words for us on this Thanksgiving Day as well. Do not forget the Lord your God. In the uh, gospel lesson from today, I read a moment ago from Luke 17, in that story it included some people who forgot. They forgot about the Lord. They forgot to say thanks. It's the story of those 10 men who were stricken with this terrible disease known as leprosy. This was the most feared disease of ancient times. If you had leprosy, it was pretty much a death sentence. There was no cure. Your fingers, your nose, your toes, your digits would rot and fall off, and eventually it would kill you. It was a terrible disease. And while you were still alive, you had to live away from the healthy people, kind of in a shanty town outside of the city, isolated from everyone else. You were considered unclean. So there's these, these, these 10 men who have this terrible disease and they see Jesus off in the distance and they, they cry out, Lord Jesus, have pity on us. And he does. And he knows that the only way that after he heals them that they're going to be accepted back into society is for them to be declared clean again by the priests. So he sends them on their way and says, go, show yourself to the priests. And it's while they're on their way Jesus heals them. And only one stops and goes back and thanks Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. I love this artist's rendition of the story of the ten lepers. If we can show this painting. It's, it's so telling. Because the painting captures the moment that the Samaritan stopped and thought about what had happened to him and then turned to go back and thank Jesus. I think it's rather noteworthy that of all of them, it was the Samaritan that went back and said, thank you. You know, the Samaritans and the Jews at the time hated each other. But of course, a disease puts anybody together. They were all outcast together. But it was the Samaritan who stopped and went back and said thank you. Why was he the only one? Well, we would only be speculating, but, I, but really, are all those other nine all that different from people today? Are they all that different from me and you today? Our human tendency is to take our blessings for granted. And so the Samaritan on that day really did the unusual thing. He stopped long enough to realize that his healing was a tremendous gift from God. And when that really sank in for him, that moved his heart to give thanks. Maybe what we need to do more of is to spend more time at what is silently suggested by Rodin's famous sculpture, The Thinker. Now, I don't think Rodin did the sculpture with anything to do with giving thanks. However, I think it's a helpful reminder to us. Do we really stop to think about our blessings? Do we take the time to think did you know that the word thank, T-H-A-N-K, 
actually comes from an old Germanic word meaning to think. The two go together. They, they come from the same root, which suggests that it's by thinking about and recognizing the blessings that we enjoy that we then can be thankful. We need to think and thank, for thinking and thanking go hand in hand. So what gets in the way of our thankfulness? I think partly it's our human tendency to focus on the negative instead of the positive. You know what I mean. A hundred things go right in your day. One one thing goes wrong. What do you tend to focus on? Me too, the one thing, right? That's what we do. So here's a basic principle to keep in mind. Right attitude leads to real gratitude. Right attitude leads to real gratitude. St. Paul really understood this. He's the author of our epistle lesson for today. And St. Paul had every reason in the world to complain. I mean, think about his situation. When, be, before he writes this letter to the Philippians, he has been under house arrest in the city of Rome. Unfairly, he didn't do anything wrong, but he was put under arrest. And he was awaiting a fair trial so he could demonstrate his innocence and then get on with his mission work. And he was sitting and waiting. Not for a day, not for a month, not even for a year. It had been two years he'd been waiting under house arrest and still no trial. He didn't know if he was going to get out of Rome alive. He had been through a shipwreck prior to this experience. Life had not gone well for St. Paul, and yet look what he writes to the Philippians chapter 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Paul had the right attitude, and right attitude leads to real gratitude. It's kind of the classic glass half full, half empty thing, you know, that that the human tendency is to see things as half empty focusing on what we do not have rather than on the things that God has given us. I like the famous quote. Two men looked out from behind prison bars. One saw the mud, the other saw the stars. St. Paul was looking up, not down, even as he was under house arrest. And he looked up way beyond the stars to the one who made the heavens and the earth. He looked up to his Savior, Jesus Christ, and he was able to give thanks and rejoice. And he encouraged the Philippians to do the same. Real, right attitude leads to real gratitude, and kind of a corollary to that is what he goes on to explain next, and that is that right thinking leads to real thanking. Right thinking leads to real thanking. In other words, what you think about really matters. It influences what you end up doing. He says it this way in verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. What do you think about? Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy. Well, let me ask you, what kinds of things might you spend, the time, spend some time thinking about that are praiseworthy as you reflect on this year past? Maybe one praiseworthy thing is the illness that God brought you through and, and gave you healing from. Maybe it's the comfort you received in a time of loss. Maybe it's some surprise blessing that came your way. Maybe it's the gift of family far and near. Maybe it's the friends you have that support and encourage you in your daily living. But for first and foremost, I dare say, our greatest praiseworthy thing to think about happened on a cross when God gave up his own son in your place and mine. When Jesus died on that cross, he was paying for the penalty we all deserve for our sins. He took it all for us. And he just says, believe that I did this for you and you are forgiven and you have the gift of eternal life assured to you. What more praiseworthy thing could there be? That is something we need to think about every day that we might then give thanks to our loving Lord. Think and thank. This Thanksgiving, friends, take time to think and to thank. I came across this cute little poem recently. It's entitled Dirty Dishes. So later on after the meal is over and you got that big stack of dishes, right, that have to be washed, I want you to think about this poem. It goes like this. Thank God for dirty dishes. They have a story to tell. And by the stack I have, it seems we are living pretty well. While people of other countries are starving, I haven't the heart to fuss. For by this stack of evidence, God's awfully good to us. Pretty good words. If you would watch the screens and, uh, and uh, view this video entitled, Thankful People.
the story of Jesus healing those ten lepers is a call to live each day from a grateful heart. On this Thanksgiving Day, I want to issue you a Thanksgiving Day challenge. I'm calling it Think and Thank. It's something very practical. Later on, when it comes time for your Thanksgiving meal, here's what I want to challenge you to do. Before you have the meal, before you have the blessing over the meal, I'm going to ask you to have everyone at the table take one minute to stop and think about the blessings they've experienced over the last year. And after one minute, have each person at the table mention one thing for which they are thankful to God. May God truly bless your Thanksgiving day as you think and thank. Amen.